Welcome to Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, training you to lead with courage. Hello, everyone. Welcome, friends and new friends, to our Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan. We are so happy to have you here. Um, today, we have a very special guest who returns again to our podcast to discuss about something really special, about the anti-Semitism in our, our colleges, in some of our colleges and even more. Her name is Susan Michael. She is the United States Director of International Christian Embassy uh, Jerusalem. Welcome to our program. Uh, welcome back to our program, uh, Susan. If you want to reintroduce yourself, maybe for some of our audience that might not have been maybe watching you. It's very important for them to know a little bit of your background and what you are doing and uh, how they can, can help also. Great. Well, Virginia, it's great to be with you again and with your audience. Uh, yes, the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem is headquartered in Jerusalem. And from there, we have a, a presence representation in over 90 countries around the world. So it's a very global organization uh, based from there. Um, you know, I had just arrived in Jerusalem in 1980 as a college student to begin a master's degree program when the organization was born. So I was there the day it opened its doors. I was very young in 1980. But we, uh, the organizers had just organized the very first celebrate, Christian celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. And what had just happened right before that feast took place is that the Israeli government had passed what's called the Jerusalem Bill. And uh, it declares all of Jerusalem to be the eternal an undivided capital of the state of Israel. So it would never be divided again. And there was tremendous international uproar against that and the Arab countries threatened oil embargoes on anyone that recognized Jerusalem. And so the embassies that were located in Jerusalem literally packed up and moved out of the city that summer. And here I had just arrived the month later, they have this uh, gathering of about a thousand Christians from about over 15 countries to celebrate the feast. And they announced there, we do not support what our governments have done. And therefore, we're starting an international Christian embassy in Jerusalem that represents the millions of Bible based Christians around the world who get it on Jerusalem. You know, they understand the significance of Jerusalem. So that's how the organization was born. That's how I got there, was there the day they opened their doors. And once I finished my degree program, I actually moved to Washington, D.C. on their behalf to help with the founding of the United States branch. Now, the founding of our organization sounds quite political, but actually our mission statement from day one is right out of scripture, Isaiah 40, verse one. And it says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says the Lord speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And we were very aware that after 1700 years of really terrible relations between Jews and Christians, that we were initiating a whole new relationship with the Jewish people. And we were saying, we are Christians, 
and we support you and we love you and we're with you and we're praying for you. And that this would bring about, we pioneered a whole new relationship with the Jewish people that now 45 years later, we see the fruits of that. But I tell that story because it, it's related to what you and I are going to be talking about today, and that's anti-Semitism. Because we were aware that even in Christian history, there had been something called Christian anti-Semitism. And we had a moral responsibility to, in a way, start a new relationship and make amends for that terrible history from our own community. So we're very sensitive to the problem and the history of anti-Semitism. And it's a really important conversation. So I appreciate you having me on today to talk about it. But uh, Susan, what you call Christian anti-Semitism is not what we are seeing right now in, uh, in, uh, in our colleges. Is that right? It, it's absolutely right. That's not, it's, it's a, a different form of anti-Semitism. But once you study anti-Semitism, you realize that it's like a it's like an evil presence or power that it's been there throughout history and it just reinvents itself and it it it, uh, it finds an expression that's acceptable in today's society and so today anti-semitism is actually raising its ugly head within a political context that it's against the jewish state it's against the Jewish collective, and, and it's a demonization of the people of Israel. It's nothing but anti-Semitism. But back 500 years ago, we had a religious form of anti-Semitism that was based on theology and belief. Uh, the Nazis had a different form of anti-Semitism. Theirs was based on racial ideology, that it was about the inferior race of the Jewish people. And so today it's looked down upon uh, religious anti-Semitism or racist anti-Semitism, but political is acceptable today and it's spreading like wildfire. Well, talking about political that is accepted, it is my, my feeling that is accepted because a lot of our young people turn their back to God. They don't want to go to church anymore. They don't want to be associated. They don't even know, many of them, uh, what Holocaust is and what Holocaust did to people. And also, many of them were not even born when 9-11 was um, here in America. And many of them, they don't have that. They do um, want like young people to find a way to change the world, but they found the wrongest way possible. So, um, first of all, tell me if I'm right on um, everything that I said to you right now. Yes. So, our young people, uh, and especially in colleges, but even just on social media, I mean, they're getting it, even in high school, they're getting it. The ruling ideologies of the day are globalism and secularism, and, and there's others. But uh, Israel flies in the face of both of those ruling ideologies because Israel is based on nationalism. It is a nation state. 
for the Jewish people. And it flies in the face of secularism because it's a Jewish state. It's for the Jewish people to be able to freely exercise their religion. And so both are not accepted in the ruling ideologies of the world. And our young people are being brought up with these ideologies. They're also being brought up with an ideology of what we call moral relativism, that there's no right or wrong. It's just your narrative versus my narrative. And if I believe it, then it's truth to me. And you can believe what you want to, and it's truth to you. I think it's the most ludicrous thing. Obviously, there's right and there's wrong. Yes, it is until they go to my, this is my truth, and you have to believe in my truth. Yes. They go one one step away. That's right. I believe you are perfectly right because people that turn their back to God, they don't want to believe that there is a truth. And we believe Jesus Christ is the truth and the Bible presents the truth, then they they will do whatever they believe that is right and truth. I imagine that if someone finally understands that Israel was established by God, the land was given by God, and God says in the Bible, not by your power, but by my mighty hand and he established that and if they understand that and they will understand that their fight is not against Israel people it's first against God and then against the Israel people they will change their position first of all is because nobody who fights against God will win but but, but will- Virginia you know they're being told in school that the bible is not true Yes. And it's myth and it's antiquated and it's violent and it's all this stuff, bigotry. It's all this is in the Bible and you you, and you believe the Bible. So our yeah. young people are backing away from the Bible. And yes. they have, many of, they them have questions. Taught, many of them are taught in school that the Bible includes rules and regulations. And nobody tells them that the Bible sets you free. Christ sets you free. And they believe that whatever, like you said, they believe it's their truth will make them free. But in the end, many of them will choose alcohol, depression, suicide, all kind of things. Yes, and but they have very legitimate questions because of the things that they're told about the Bible. And the sad thing is that some, and I, I, I just say some, I, I love the local church. I love my church and I appreciate pastors and the responsibility they have and the burden. But there are some that are actually backing away from the Old Testament because they see the questions that the young people have and maybe they don't know how to answer them. So they're backing away saying, oh, well, the Old Testament's irrelevant. Forget it. Just read about Jesus in the New Testament. And I'm like, how are you going to understand who Jesus is if you don't know the Old Testament? The very first verse of the very first book of the New Testament says that he was the son of Abraham, the son of David. Well, who's Abraham and who's David? If you haven't read the Old Testament, you don't understand who Jesus was. And so my heart is to help them to know how to read their Bible, because actually the Bible is so exciting. 
And once you understand, you connect the dots in the Bible, it comes alive. You know, I say it's like your pop-up Hallmark card. You open it up and the city stands up. That's what happens to the Bible when you understand these things. And Virginia, that's why I wrote this book, Encounter the 3D Bible. It's very simple. It's very short. But it gives that introduction so that the young reader and the old reader understands and connects the dots. And all of a sudden, the Bible makes so much sense. And that's what our young people need. I agree with you. But tell me exactly what do you think happened? We had for generations people that did not believe in Christ, but they were still nice, kind, and polite to listen to us and maybe sometimes to say, well, that's good, you believe, but I don't believe. And nobody was mocking us or being violent to us. What happened and why students at college now are so violent towards Jewish people and and, uh, also towards Christian people? Well, there's been a huge change in society in the United States, and that's because we took prayer out of the schools. We took God out of the schools. We took God, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance out of the schools. And now we've replaced it with liberal professors that actually are teaching a um, Marxist doctrine. And they are, they're brainwashing our young people, but our young people are vulnerable to it because they don't have a strong biblical foundation. And I, say, I believe that you are perfectly right. Uh, in the last maybe 20 years, another thing that happened to our college and universities was the fact that foreign government uh, provided scholarship for um, or, or donations for college and university attached to having foreigners teaching at our college and university. That's the reason now you have uh, um, students at Harvard and Cornell at uh, uh, New York, and not only students are putting uh, flyers and saying different things, uh, horrible things against uh, Jewish people, but also their professors are doing that. And uh, must be, we have to find a solution for that. We cannot be uh, uh, Chinese are buying land, foreigners are buying our colleges. Where is America? No, it's a big problem because for for decades we had these rich Middle Eastern countries that were buying chairs in the Middle East departments of these universities. And so they were teaching an anti-Israel history and they had a lot of influence. And uh, so that is a large part uh, of the problem. Do you think that the schools or even our government is doing enough to make people feel secure. I never thought in my entire life that I will watch TV on the liberal side and on the conservative side and hear people saying, uh, you know, working of those saying and almost um, very emotional saying, it's very hard to be Jewish now in America. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. And before I answer that, I want to add to what I just said too. 
in addition to having that funding through uh, of the professors and the teaching, we also have 20 different organizations on campuses across the United States that are organizing students with anti-Israel activities, 20 different ones. One of them, the leader, they have chapters on 200 campuses. So where did these groups come from? But once again, an anti-Israel Arab group with good funding from the Gulf countries or wherever, and they've developed this whole infrastructure across America on campuses. So whatever happens, they're organized, they're activists, and they're out there. Now, to go on to your question then, this has made a very dangerous atmosphere on our college campuses. So today we have uh, just recently you know, rallies on college campuses calling for gas the Jews. And there's Jewish students on campus that have to make their way to class when they know there's a rally calling for them to be gassed and calling for them to be killed. And so just recently, Jewish students had to actually lock themselves into a room and barricade it because of the anti-Israel group outside that was coming in to get them. It's not just that they're standing outside with signs and it's not just that they're saying ugly things, that then it becomes violent and it becomes physical and these Jewish students are in danger. And that is why I organized a group of Christian leaders to sign off on a letter to the presidents of universities across America, asking them to number one, adopt a clear definition of anti-Semitism and then enforce it on campus. And don't allow anyone to speak anti-Semitic things and don't allow meetings to be held under anti-Semitic pretense. And then secondly, provide support and security for the Jewish students so that they feel safe. They know where to report incidents to. They know that they've got a, a open ear to hear that they're going to receive help. It gives them more of a feeling of security. And so we sent this to over 300 universities. We felt it was important that they hear from Christians saying, please provide better security for your Jewish students. We felt it would get more attention than just coming from the Jewish community. Yeah, that, that is wonderful. You look at uh, Tulane University, where the report is that 44% of the students are Jewish, and they are in danger to go to school, to go to classes. Uh, if I understood correctly, a student was beaten with a, a Jewish flag or, or Palestinian flag or whatever. Uh, it was absolutely uh, horrifying. There is, we, uh, we in America, we believe in freedom of speech. We believe that you have the right to speak, but when you cross the line, that it's a hate crime. And I believe the government needs to take more precaution on this. I also heard many, many people saying, if you have a child who wants to go to college, take uh, notes of those colleges where the students can not go. Jewish people cannot go to, to school and uh, they are frightened, you know, to leave their place. And uh, I, I understand that, you know, um, there is something, I, I believe, 
that the school, the colleges need to do this, uh, and even more. I am very uh, happy that some of the donors declare that they will take, they will not donate anymore to those uh, colleges, and even some corporations uh, took uh, the the job back, the job offer for students at uh, Harvard Law School, because it was what they said is you have the right to express your point of view, but not to be violent and not to support Hamas who killed, uh, you know, children and women and soldiers. And if you believe in that, it's your choice, but we do not want this kind of culture to penetrate in the culture of our our law offices. So I hope that... That's a very important point, Virginia, because these protests now, this isn't just like pro-Palestine protests. These are pro-Hamas protests taking place. So we have students on campuses in America rallying in support of a terrorist organization that just massacred more Jews in one day than has happened since the Holocaust. And we have students rallying for that and and supporting that and actually enlisting people in that kind of ideology. That should be against the law. And so we also wrote a letter to the White House and we asked the White House to look into this on federally funded campuses. They should not be allowed to rally in support of terrorism. It should be against the law. And we asked them to do something about it. Yeah, I was just before I came to to the podcast, I was listening to the FBI director testifying at Senate uh, Homeland Security uh, hearing and expressing clearly uh, worries and concerns about um, college, um, you know, activities and hate and uh, violence and also the real possibilities that America might be attacked, not only from outside, but also from inside. We have heard those students and maybe even others protesting in different places saying, kill the Jews or gas the Jews and kill Americans, kill America. When these people, uh, violent people, Hamas and those who support Hamas, will do their their project to kill someone uh, Jewish in uh, Israel, they will continue to kill Jewish everywhere, and the next will be America. Because what they are, they are against civilization. They are against democracy. And Hamas is very open about that. Yes. So once they finish the Jews after the Christians, and after the West, after America, they're very open about that. And that's why Israel is telling the United States, and they're working very closely with the United States during this war, but they're saying, we're fighting your war. You know, this if, if we lose this, you're next. They're coming after you. Exactly. You you said it perfectly, Susan, because after all, Israel is fighting and is sacrificing trying to destroy uh, Hamas. It's uh, fighting against an evil that if they uh, accomplish to to destroy this evil, it will protect us and the entire world. 
That's, that's, right. that's what, what, and they have the right to defend themselves, and they have the right not to um, be in a situation like October 7th. Yes. Uh, I will, we will put uh, the link to uh, all the letters that people can still sign and, uh, and um, be part of this um, uh, stand up for Israel, stand up for democracy. Um, there is anything uh, you want to, um, to convey to our audience? Well, I just ask your audience to please continue to pray for Israel. Pray for the people of Israel. And uh, this was a horrendous, merciless massacre of their people. And now the number keeps going up of the number of hostages. So we're up now to 240 hostages. And that's after, I think, four have been released. Um, so the number keeps going up. And, and uh, this is a huge wound in the heart of the people of Israel. And uh, we can only understand it if we compute it into American numbers, which would be like 50,000 killed in a 72-hour period. That's how horrendous the attack was. So please pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the people of Israel and support the relief efforts there. There's, I read today, Virginia, there's 250,000 displaced people in Israel. Those are Israelis that have had to flee their homes because either their homes were destroyed in the attack or they've been evacuated because they're in security areas near the borders and the Israeli defense forces have had to evacuate whole towns. So there's 250 Israelis displaced. They don't have their homes, they don't have their jobs and uh, we're helping to feed them and, and house them and take care of them. So there's many needs there. And uh, just ask your, your audience to continue remembering all of that as they enter into the holiday season to remember the people of Israel. Yes, I, uh, and I will add one more thing. As the war continues, and like in any war, there might be casualties. I, I would love for each one of us to remember who started the horrible situation of October 7 and remember that it is the fight between wrong and right. And the whole world will profit from destroying this uh, uh, horrible organization that produces so much pain to their own people in, in Gaza Strip not only to the world, but also to, to the people in Gaza Street. Susan, thank you so very much. We appreciate so much everything you're doing. I hope our audience will join us to sign those, uh, those letters and to make contribution, like you said, as the holidays um, approaches and to stand up for, for Israel. Yes, thank you. I hope to have you back in uh, maybe better situation, but uh, for now, we just want to thank you so very much. Yes, anytime, Virginia. I look forward to being with you. Thank you. If you want to know more, 
about Virginia Prodan, her coaching program, buy her book, Saving My Assassin, or invite Virginia to speak at your events, visit virginiaprodanbooks.com. Thank you.